But I think what a lot of people didn't realize was that, you know, actors and stagehands and musicians and dancers and box office and theater personnel were just laid off and they lost their jobs and they lost their health benefits and their insurance. I mean, technically things shut down. Now, some theaters in Chicago and around me have pulled archival shows. They've Zoomed some shows free. Um, they've charged for some tickets. And there's been shows like in Wisconsin have asked for donations and so forth. We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios. Hi, this is Brett. And with me, as always, is Carol. How are you? I'm good, Brett. Thank you. Yeah. Today, we are going to continue our exploration of the creativity and ingenuity being used to support our art world during this crazy time of the pandemic. We have lost so much over the past months. Our children may not be in school. Many people have lost their jobs or had to quickly pivot to working from home. Technology has certainly taken over our world, and we have nearly lost our world of art. Um, however, the art community is strong and resilient. Uh, during the spring, we began to hear music playing from somebody's porch or a via or via Zoom, uh, drive-in concerts, musicians writing and producing new songs from their home. TV show reruns were, or, I'm sorry, TV show reunions were created. They were kind of reruns at the same time. Yeah, they were <laughs> for the most part. Yes, um, but but you know we're we're supporting not only the art world but also those nonprofit organizations that are are pivotal to our art world. Um, movies released on alternative platforms, plays be, began zooming right into our living rooms, and we're going to talk about all of this today. Um, so we have... Um, we are continuing our exploration on how creative artisans have excelled with wonderful new ways to enjoy and experience the wonders of art. Exactly. We brought two um, guest artists, our experts in their field, and will truly peel back the curtain and canvas to give us a look at behind the scenes. I'll, uh, let me introduce our two guests. We have uh, first Martha Cotton. From Granville, Ohio, she has been a member and active volunteer of the Licking County Art Association for many years. LCA celebrates over 50 years as a nonprofit all-volunteer arts organization. Her involvement has included serving as president of the board as well as exhibiting her own artwork. Martha retired from a professional career in human resources but continues to offer consulting services. And we also have, on a few states away, Regina Belt Daniels. Uh, she lives in Crystal Lake, Illinois, basically outside of Chicago. Gina is a retired teacher within 20, uh, with uh, 28 years of serving children in special education with communications disorders and five years in reading recovery. Gina is active in various theater organizations, including the Rouse Center for the Arts, as well as the Woodstock Opera House, the independent RCLPC Theater, and is currently working on I Hate Hamlet for the Cosman Theater. That will be coming up in uh, April of 2021. She's been active in acting, directing, producing, managing, ticket sales, and marketing. She also has written reviews on various productions in her region, including online productions during the pandemic. Thank you both for being a part of our podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Nice to be with you both. <laughs> Brett, you realize that um, I, the whole gist behind this is that I wanted to bring my two friends in to talk to oh, us. I knew that yeah, already. Exactly. <laughs> so, so thank you both for you know for taking care of me and and coming. Um, Martha has was a uh, one of my volunteer career counselors at our agency in the past and a good friend. And Jean and I go way back to school in our very young days. Um, yes, please do not reveal that. Oh yeah. Not we're not talking real years here, you know. but um, but so this is a great conversation. And also to our audience, thanks for joining us today. Um, Martha and Gina just literally met over the phone lines a few minutes ago. So we're going to go ahead and, and get started and really talk about what we can um, find out and how we can support the arts in our world also um, through these conversations. So um, we've, you know, we've had to deal with incredible transformations over the past few months. We likely did not even realize how much we were losing. But Gina, what has been the dr most dramatic adjustment you and your organizations have had to make to keep the public engaged and interested in the arts? 
Well, way back in, in March, when the theaters went dark, I myself was in a production that closed on opening weekend. It was the government inspector. Um, and we were told that we would revive it again in November. Well, there's no chance of that, obviously. Um, as of today, we're in Tier 3 mitigations in Illinois, so all the theaters are closed, museums and so on and so forth. But I think what a lot of people didn't realize was that, you know, actors and stagehands and musicians and dancers and box office and theater personnel were just laid off and they lost their jobs and they lost their health benefits and their insurance. I mean, technically things shut down. Now, some theaters in Chicago and around me have pulled archival shows. They've Zoomed some shows free. Um, they've charged for some tickets. And there have been shows like in Wisconsin have asked for donations and so forth. Some did webcasts, some did interviews with ensembles. The Rao Theater, which I'm probably most closely identified with, um, has done Lucy's Comedy at Home, which has been a weekly event, uh, tapings on Wednesdays with John DeCoste from WGN Radio. But obviously that's had to stop now because of the new mitigation rules. Um, but that was really great because we were taping comedians with audiences of less than 25 and the Rao is a 900-seat theater, so you can imagine wow. yeah. the vacantness of that, too. The Woodstock Opera House did movies um, on a regular basis, again, with a limited audience. There's been play readings. Um, I myself was involved with a play reading uh, for a radio broadcast of The Pussycat and the Expert Plumber, who was a man, which was a 1941 Arthur Miller play, but it was very relevant to our times because it was about politics and so forth. So I think... Theaters are really struggling. I know some smaller theaters in my area have gone under because they had to close, they had to cancel their seasons and so forth. Um, so we're just, just very hopeful that with all the creative ways that theaters are trying to do things with Zooms and webcasts and engaging audiences that we're going to be able to continue. One one of the things that um, I've really enjoyed hearing is that notion of radio shows. Now, since Brett's an old radio guy, I thought he might, you know, know a little bit about this, that, that literally we are taking one art medium and moving it into a different art medium mm-hmm. by by doing that over the radio. I mean, you know, our parents probably would be pretty excited. They grew up listening to radio. Um, we actually did yeah. too, I guess, back in those days. Sure. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't give away our ages. I know, I'm trying not to. So, <laughs> Mar- Martha, what about with, with the Licking County folks? Well, I mean, uh, Licking County Arts, uh, we have a gallery and a gift shop, and we have uh, monthly... Um, exhibits that open with a reception for the artists and and the community and all of that just had had to stop as a precautionary measure and so that was uh, something we relied on a lot to stay connected we you know we had also used technology and facebook instagram email and that sort of thing but what we try to do is to encourage our members to uh, post more of their art and more of what they were doing on on Facebook just to help people keep in touch and and also be inspired by each other. But uh, the gallery was a a pretty important part of of our link to the community. Um, This this is where our members uh, displayed and sold their art. Uh, this is where people came in, and you you might find just customers and members just lingering around, visiting, sharing. Um, so that that's probably been the most dramatic adjustment. And and quite honestly, it's it is um, quite a shift to go from a brick and mortar um, exhibit to uh, having people feel comfortable putting their art on 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 Facebook. I mean, we did post our shows. Uh, and people were able to uh, see them, you know, each month, see basically what type of show it was. And, and uh, so, you know, we're, we're still kind of playing with that. We did uh, finally open the gallery with some limited hours. Uh, but the other part of what we do is, um, you know, have workshops, uh, help in the community with any art uh, activities and that sort of thing. We volunteer for anything that... Um, where children and families have an opportunity to experience art. Um, and that, that type of thing has, has pretty much come to a halt as well. Uh, but we're really optimistic about 
you know, what it, what we can do in the future and uh, just thinking about, well, what, whatever we've learned through this, we want to take the best of that and just um, kind of continue to keep that incorporated into our um, our practices. That That is a great point. One, that I, I hadn't really thought about this before, but really the gallery with artwork in it is the same as the theater with people in the seats. It's that notion of community that we've lost. We may still right. be able to see the art, but we've kind of lost that connection with other people seeing the art with us. Um, but also that whole notion of all of the things that art has done for children, a lot of it has come to a stop. Carol, that's a really good point. And, you know, and that's something that I really truly miss. I still am reviewing theater shows because Zoom has become this theater for our times. You know, it's delivering live theater to live audiences. But, I, you know, that's what I miss so much, you know, sitting in a seat and hearing all the comments of other people around mm-hmm. me. I miss the live audiences. That's what I can't stand when I'm watching something on Facebook or Zoom right. or whatever. Right. But on the other hand, it is keeping theater alive. It's keeping art alive. And it is creating new jobs when you think about it. So. Uh, that's true. That yeah. That's true. I was, um, I've, uh, our first um, session in this Creativity in the Arts podcast program was with Professor Gherkins from Otterbein University and who's the director of the theater there and we had a wonderful conversation with him and talked about that loss of that community in the seats next to us but on the flip side of that as an Otterbein alum I haven't had a chance to go to a theater production for a long time now it comes to my house so I can mm-hmm. sit there in my jammies if I want to and so last night I got to see the dance programs for the graduating seniors and it was phenomenal but wow. chances are I probably wouldn't have been able to to do that so thank goodness that level of education has continued for those students and I'm sure universities are doing this all over the country but mm-hmm. um it brought in the art to me, and I live, you know, right near the school, but it also brought that art to Otterbein alum who are scattered across the country. And so... That's a very good point. They've, they've actually picked up people from one end of the U.S. to the other and overseas to see the program. So um, brought it back out again. Yeah. So. yeah, I could see the exposure points really widening. Right, for both uh, you know, Gina's and Martha's worlds. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Exactly. Well, we're finding that some modifications that we've made due to the pandemic are actually giving us positive change. We talked about it right there. Um, Martha, have you seen positive change in your work and your arts organizations that you believe were needed even before the pandemic? Well, I think one of the things that we use—I mean, we use technology, we used um, social media, and that sort of thing—but we relied very heavily on in-person activities. So I think this has helped us kind of fine-tune. And, and, and I hear this from a lot of other organizations that, uh, you know, they, they took it up a notch. They started using it better, better understanding ways to um, communicate. But I think one of the things I found uh, that um, one of the real positive outcomes is the way artists have started relying more on social media and virtual streaming as a means to build communities um, with similar art interests. Um, I I think that's a positive change in that an artist may schedule a workshop and have a limit of 15 people. Uh, Now, you know, they can have 100 people and reach those people. And then those people become, you know, sometimes it create, uh, they create a closed Facebook where those people can share their art, their ideas, uh, techniques, that sort of thing. And that just makes, for the artist, you aren't feeling as isolated because you've now met all these new people, you have all these new outlets, all these new resources. And I think some artists are finding that this is helping them market their their own art and their own workshops um, even more effectively. So I think that's something that will probably be something that uh, artists will rely much more on in the future, Um, even though we all miss, as as Gina said, 
Um, it's really hard to replace the uh, face-to-face time where you're actually, um, you know, standing in front of someone's art and talking with them about it or right, right. learning from them or having them explain where, you know, how they were inspired by uh, something and, and that was a result of it. So those are the things I think that uh, we won't stop doing. Those will be can continue to be offered. Uh, but I think the um, um, uh, virtual streaming of classes will be something that uh, artists will continue to do. Um, and, and it also, uh, many artists didn't rely on it much and had a kind of a learning curve on how to get that up and going. And, right. and I've, I have taken multiple online classes and some of those some of those artists, you know, you start feeling like you're friends because you're on the, you know, you're, you're, you know, in these live uh, streaming sessions and able to kind of converse a little bit and you find out the kind of the pains that they've gone through right. to try to bring it to us um, through those uh, streaming classes. So that, that was a learning curve for them. But I think, again, now that they've invested all, all this time and effort and structure, they're they're going to continue to use that. You're absolutely right. And I think it's, you know, you've opened doors to new audiences. And like you said, in collaboration with other artists, too. So that's absolutely brilliant. When you think about it, going back to, is it Bob Ross? Is that the gentleman who was the the painter? I mean, he, he passed away two decades ago, and he's still on TV teaching us to paint. And when, <laughs> and whoever thought that at that point in time, um, today, that would be critical to be able to show somebody how to paint to a to an audience that's much broader than just a one-on-one or a 15-on-one. Um, but you know what, Carol, what's really funny is that our dollar store here and a friend of ours that works there um, has said that they've had, you know, an increase of people buying those paint-by-number Sure. You know, sure. just for time, so you can't even, and puzzles. Puzzles are big things with my my friends that are you know at home and stuff. Oh too, yeah, so. I, I just yeah. Heard, t- heard today that uh, this episode will be out after the holidays, but or around the holidays. But I heard that chess sets will be extremely hard to find. Interesting, because, oh, wow. because of the Netflix Queen's Gambit. Oh, oh, my oh, yeah, that makes sense. We're talking mm-hmm. that thousands of percent increase in sales in chess. In sets. chess, oh yeah. my gosh! Hmm. Well, when when um, when the pandemic first started, and our governor here in Ohio. Uh, started doing a daily press conference. He also brought in things for people to do. And one of them was Belmont County, which is a very rural um, county on the Ohio River out, you know, quite a ways from any of the big cities, have a tourism office. And they were panicked because tourism, of course, had pretty much closed down back in March. And they had moved all of their pictures of their tourist activities to online puzzles so i fell in love with online puzzles and i actually ran out of them on their website and had to find others so yes we have all even ourselves needed to come up with ways to keep our brain moving which art does um so gina um tell us about some of the innovative ways that you have discovered that other artists uh, created or adopted and you know when they couldn't do those live in-person events right well i can tell you the american players up in uh, spring green wisconsin developed um something called the empty box and all those are available on youtube and they're hysterical because they talk about actors and what happened to them and certain productions and so forth and the empty box is literally an empty box award that's given to these actors. I, um, Peninsula I, Players did oh, a whole me, production me, of um, Edgar Allan Poe's stories around Halloween, put those up on Facebook and Zoom and YouTube, mm-hmm. and they were absolutely wonderful. I got to review one of them. Steppenwolf now um, has developed a virtual theater where they have six filmed plays, and they're all originals. Um, mm. I just reviewed one of them, uh, What is Left Burns, which was their November offering, but they're going to have one every single month. Um, So they're original, they're creative, they've never been seen before. Like a lot of other theaters have pulled out archival productions. You know, you can watch uh, The King and I from whatever, 19-whatever, but they're starting with new and creative and originals. American players, they just keep zooming plays. I just reviewed one called The Sins of Sorwana, 
which was about a, a Mexican nun who wrote poetry. Um, there's a friend of mine, Kevin Pollack, who does Zooming at the movies, and that's available on Facebook, too. And every week he's getting a new movie and asking for actors to read parts. Stratford Festival up in Canada has films of their productions from the past. I mean, it just keeps going and going. The, the theater world has had to learn how to be creative and to keep going. Are you finding um, most of these to be free uh, or that they're paid? Most are free. Some ask for donations. Um, the City Lit Theater in Chicago, which I absolutely love, they did a beautiful um, play about Barbara Jordan, asked for a small donation. Um, I just noticed that a couple of theaters in England that I have been watching, the original theater company and so forth, they generally ask for about $25. I mean, it's still cheaper than a theater ticket. Right. Um, Steppenwolf now, because of their six film plays, it's $75 for a season, but it starts now and it goes all the way through next summer. Okay. So, you know, it's still cheaper than a season if, you oh. know, you bought a season subscription in right. theater. Well, and that so. my the, what I've been doing with the, the Otterbein Theater Group is mm-hmm. I pay for the the um, programs, but then they also ask for donations, too, and it's just mm-hmm. to, because they yeah, have lost Yeah, and it's really funny. So as a theater reviewer, you know, in the past, I've always gotten free tickets, but there you I go. don't have a problem <laughs> making a donation. I yeah. really feel that I need to do that because I want to keep these, you know, artists, these actors, the stagehands, you know, the dancers and musicians, everybody. I want them to just keep going. Right. So. Because we're all going to be back at this here soon. I hope so, it, yeah. Yes, it, it'll be back soon. Yeah, yeah. Well... One thing I might um, add, too, that's that's happening is if you go to, uh, you know, your favorite university or college and look at their calendar events, you know, all the all the um, in-person things have been canceled. But you can you can um, access lectures and recitals and poetry readings and just a number of things from uh, those schools. I was just looking at um, um the Columbus College of Art and Design, and they have a podcast called Critical Craft Forum, and they just have such a variety of guests who talk about all, all kinds of subjects, and those are, you know, free, and you can just listen to those at any time. Um, but there's, you know, Denison University, Ohio State, uh, their Department of Art, uh, any of those you can go to and and get insights into what artists are working on or um, even view some of the exhibits at no cost. And they also offer, um, like you were saying, Gina, they do offer, um, like Denison has their Veil series, which is um, a music quartet that um, or trio that um, that is uh, does have a fee involved, but very reasonable. And um, I think a lot of people are taking advantage of those things. Yeah, Martha, you're right. And you know what? It's all opening doors to audiences that wouldn't otherwise probably attend. Very so. true. Yeah, it's true. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, some artists. Well, they're finding they don't. They, they're finding they don't have the costs involved with with you know things like parking and um, right. and and then the commute time and of course, uh, no matter how you feel, it's pretty comfortable to sit on your sofa and your in your lounge clothes and watch yes. TV. <laughs> exactly. I'm all for that. Yes. yes, but Martha, I miss dressing up and I miss having Chris Jones from the Tribune sitting near me and Heidi West, you know, from PBS Channel 11 sitting near me. And the last time I was at Steppenwolf, our Mayor Lightfoot was there, you know, and she is the most approachable woman. I Tiny, too. I mean, I'm taller than her. And Carol, you know how short I am. I was am. just going to say, you and I so, are not on the tall side. <laughs> nope, we're not. But I, that's what I, oh, I just miss that so much, so. Anyway, but I'm thankful for all the streaming. Yes, yes. Right. Well, some artists and art organizations have taken this opportunity to better utilize various social media outlets and technology to deliver art opportunities to students and the general public. Martha, how effective have audiences been in adapting to the technology have you seen? I mean, what are you hearing from those audiences? Are they ready to adapt to the technology? Or are they really, really pleading for live performances and in-person exhibits? Well, I think, uh, I think most people who use the Internet were, were on it quickly to look for outlets for entertainment and that sort of thing. And I think for those that weren't as accustomed to that, 
um, I think over time have had to uh, find something that they can access easily that that um, um, that meets their entertainment needs. Uh, you hear people talk about the advantages, as I mentioned earlier, lower cost, <laughs> convenience, uh, a huge selection of options. And then the number one word is it's safer. And right, I think right. that is what everyone was um, looking for is a safe way to to stay engaged. Um, so I think I think that's one thing that um, that would um, people have had to adapt and 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 but I know there are still others that still uh, are saying they miss it and they aren't really looking looking for other options. They're just going to wait it out, you know, wow. wait yeah, wait sure. until everything's back to normal. Hmm. Uh, so, um, but for visual artists, you know, um, I think some of them have found, you know, they're taking multiple classes online at a time. The prices, the, the classes are reasonably priced uh, for art and structure. You know, an artist might, uh, for, for an art instruction, um, a particular artist might, who have who has never uh, tried to uh, teach on online or or teach uh, via the internet has started with little videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, and again you you can find a lot of information and a lot of instruction, uh, and of course music music music, uh, live, you know performances um, just by accessing YouTube um, and type in any any subject that might be of interest to you. And um, I think that is something people find very easy to do. Mm -hmm. Martha, you're right. And I think audiences are growing in technology. A lot of times I get complaints, you know, that the theater production has frozen and they can't get on or whatever. But I think they are growing in their awareness and their abilities. And I think, you know, this is just piggybacking on what you're saying. All the streaming, all the Zooming, everything is allowing actors and artists from all over the world to collaborate. And I think that's really exciting, and I hope we don't ever lose sight of that. Good. That's one a good point. I found, one of the things I found entertaining was art instructors giving tours of their studios. Uh-huh. And they're trying to develop a more personal relationship with, with their audience. And this just unlimited time, you know, to talk with them, walk them through the studio, um, be more transparent about the process, is building these relationships that will go far beyond those particular um, introductions. So I I think that is going to be a long-lasting effect, and Mm -hmm. I'm not sure all of that would have happened if we weren't kind of forced to say, well, how else can I connect with my, you know, with, um, you know, with my audience, with people who might be interested in my art. Uh, Mar- Martha, that's a great point. Just as we were just talking about the notion of not having community in a gallery, not having community with somebody sitting next to us in a theater seat, that notion of building relationships in any way we can. It's amazing how humans, no matter what the challenges are out there, we figure out a way to to reconnect with people. Um, But one of the things I wanted to ask either of you uh, regarding this question is uh, people who are doing so much Zoom in whatever platform and format they're they're doing it, but they're on their computer all day. Are you hearing that from people like, oh, yeah, I really like watching those those plays, but I am tired of looking at it on my computer. Well, I for right now, I think everybody's holding their breath and I think the Zooms are just temporary. Um, and, you know, sometimes the Zoom reliability isn't that great, too. But I think also the audiences are embracing the limitations. You know, obviously, we can't be together. Um, but I thought it was kind of interesting because New York Times critic Laura Collins uh, Hughes wrote that digital theater isn't theater. It's a way to mourn its absence. And mm. I have to disagree with that because I think, you know, all the Zooms, like Martha said, you know, just opening up new worlds. I never would have been reviewing London's original theater productions, right. you know, if I wasn't invited to do this because of this pandemic. I mean, I've always stuck around Chicago land, you know, northern Illinois and so forth. But all of a sudden now I'm reviewing, you know, shows in London um, with actors that I've always admired, you know, like in BBC and stuff like that. Um, so, again, this has opened up doors, 
you know, that we've never, ever been able to walk through. And, you know, it allows, like I said before, actors and artists from all over the world to collaborate. It's, it's amazing. It's like a, almost a positive in this negative type of situation. Yeah, I've seen a lot of reunions. Uh, one we, we uh, subscribe to as a, as a family, uh, The Princess Bride came back together. Mm-hmm. All, almost 99% of the actors came back mm-hmm. uh, to do a performance of it. It was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. On, on how you know a handful of the actors really got into it, and they realized this was the very last time they were all going to get together and and do this movie again mm-hmm. and read their parts. Right. And they took it right. very seriously, had a blast. It was so fun to watch. But you've heard other TV shows and movies come together, and that's kind of retro, but it still has that same feel that um, you get to see your your favorite people again for a little while, right. and bring them right. into your living room and and see how you know the first thing out of Rob. Reiner's mouth was, yes, we are all 30 years older. We look old, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that the, the grasp of re- reality is like, yeah, you see this movie that's now 30 years old and you see these actors, they're not going to look the same, but it was so good. That's wonderful. Good. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of pent-up demand, and as soon as people can go to the theater or um, – any live performances and feel safe, I think they'll be coming out in droves. Oh, yeah. Probably, <laughs> oh, I agree. Oh, yeah. probably so. One of the things that I've uh, done a little more through the pandemic uh, is listen not just to more music, but to listen to music that I normally don't listen to. Um, with to to artists that I normally don't listen to because they're the ones who are out there creating it. As I I mentioned in in the other podcast, Taylor Swift has a beautiful voice, and I've always sort of liked her music, but never really paid too much attention to it. And when she did a whole album from her home herself, including creating the videos of it, I listened to the whole thing, and and it was wonderful. Uh, but the chances of me having done that in another world that that wouldn't have happened so okay well, Carol, first of all you would have been too busy i know <laughs> i'm never home to listen to any music right. so so anyway so yes you know the and that that kind of brings to another another point i was just thinking when we were just talking about this question um we are truly looking at art and sort of ignoring the problems but knowing that we need art in our lives and, and we're going out after it and the artists are taking up the, the gauntlet and bringing it to us. And how much, how much better can that be? So, so anyway, okay, Gina, next question. Um, short term and long term changes, you know, what are, what can we expect and how, in how we enjoy art and performances and exhibits and art education, how well do we believe that the public will continue to adapt to these changes? Or are they going to, you know, just kind of walk away from it as soon as the pandemic is over? No, you know, actually, I think that they're going to continue um, when the pandemic is over, because they've adjusted to this type of um, presentation. Um, and as, as everyone has pointed out, I think people enjoy watching theater on their couch in their pajamas. <laughs> yes. Um, so again, as long as the technology is reliable and you can embrace the limitations, you know, um, of not being together, I think that it's going to continue. And it- just judging from all the theater groups that I'm working with and um, the PBS stations and so forth, I think that that's going to continue for a while. So. No, none of us have young children except Brett here, who has, has younger children. Yeah, but junior it, in high school, so jun- that's not that young, though. But yeah, but right. but but it really, when you think about it too, it's brought a different dimension of family into enjoying art together. Right. I just watched. Um, it's called Eleanor's very musical Christmas. I don't think I got that right, but anyway, it's um available from Green the- Greenhouse Theater in Chicago, and it's a production that originally was done at Christmas time for children, but it's now being marketed for a family venue. It's absolutely wonderful. I mean, there's there's stuff in there for all ages, um, and I think we're, we're seeing a lot of that right now, obviously, because of the pandemic. Um, and like Martha said, there's all these streaming classes. Um, the Rao has Sage Studio for actors from you know very young to teenage and so forth i mean it's just happening all over so 
Martha. And I think uh, I noticed several, as I mentioned, several of the organizations like uh, CAPA and CATCO both are doing surveys currently just trying to get a feel for what, what's working, what's not working, what they might do better. And I'm sure from those surveys, they're going to glean things that they feel might be important <laughs> to incorporate, you know, going forward. Uh, so I think what some of these organizations are taking time to do is to take care of some things that may be kept getting uh, delayed or, or kicked down the road just because they had other more pressing things. Um, and I think the time spent on these surveys may yield some really good information for that we'll all benefit from. So it's a learning curve. You're right. And Martha, you know what, that's a good point too, because if, to our audience, if somebody surveys you, answer it. Let them know what it is is good and bad for in your world so that they can better adapt. One of the things I mentioned to Gino just before the broadcast, uh, the podcast here was that um, the state of Ohio has taken the CARES money and doling it out to different groups. So there were a couple of different awards to nonprofits who are doing critical needs in the community. The paper today talked about CARES money going to the arts groups um, to keep them going. So thank goodness we have that here in, in Ohio that um, is going to assist the different groups. But I think some of these new things that they are coming up with are new ways to make money. It's new revenue streams. Uh, what I, one of my questions to Professor Gherkins at Otterbein is, well, you know, you're, you can make money off of this stuff if it's online as well as in the theater. Are you going to continue? And he said they're looking at it. Um, it may not be the same programs. It could be different programs. But if if arts organizations need new need continued funding streams, if for no other reason, to keep this technology going. All right. That's All right. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you know, technology's made a big difference in our new normal. Uh, I've heard somebody say, and I, I think I, I agree with it in the podcast world, at least seeing that, you know, we'd, we've advanced in technology and software f- by five years in just mm-hmm. one year. And, and that's very true. I mean, <laughs> for example, uh, the, the piece of equipment we're using to record this podcast um, has the ability to, you know, record Carol and myself via microphone and bring you two in via phone. And this piece of equipment was out a couple of years ago. Now there are two soundboards that are exactly the same on the market right now. That are wow. about that are a available. third of the size. third of the size and the price. And yeah, so, yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think we would have seen that kind of technology and software come out that quickly, but due to the fact that we're in where we are. But how, you know, in the use of your technology, do you see the need for additional tech tools, you know, programs, software, or hardware in order to increase the opportunities to provide and enjoy the arts? I mean, if you could change Zoom or other programs you use, would you, what changes would you need or wish for? I, I know there's got to be somebody out there creating a different Zoom for the arts. Oh. <laughs> there's got to be, I would think. Most well, I'm sure somebody's working on it right now. <laughs> I would think, Martha, Martha, what do you think? Uh, do you see some need, uh, some holes, gaping holes, and kind of, boy, if that, we could just do that if this was available to us? Well, I think uh, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm kind of average in my um, um, knowledge of technology in that I learn what I need to learn to do what I need to do. And um, after years of having to always keep up with whatever is out there in, in, you know, different ways to communicate across, you know, in a company. Uh, now I just learn what I need to learn, and it's usually pretty easy to do. And, and I, you know, I think that so far uh, I, I can't really speak to what things I would, I would um, suggest or recommend as changes, but one of the things that does concern me and, and, and something that's going on um, as a goal in Ohio as well as globally is just uh, the implementation of a broadband strategy to improve access to, to high-speed Internet to, to everyone. Right. And, you know, we, we are all benefiting from the fact that we can sit down in front of our laptop and, and you know, or um, go to the library, you know, to get access, but there's... Uh, there's still a major barrier there to many, um, and there's still households that lack basic connectivity necessary to do some of these things. 
So maybe, you know, I don't have any thoughts on the software or hardware, but, but I know that that is something that we need to keep in mind, that there are people that are still falling through the cracks uh, in having access to, to um, all of the things we've talked about today. Martha, and that's, that's right. We that's see excellent. that with remote learning, too, with our, you know, our education system. So, That is an excellent point. It, it is amazing how it took a pandemic for us to remember this issue. I can remember them, Ohio, talking about a broadband strategy 20 years ago, and it seemed to have gotten pushed aside. Yeah. But Well, it's not a luxury anymore. It's, it's a utility. Right. If we, if we put it in that mindset, no different I than think electricity. exactly right. that it has to be there, right? Very, very good. Gina, any other ideas about technology? No, I, I agree with Martha because I just learn what I need to keep up. And, you know, I rely on other people to teach me because, you know, I'm old fashioned. I, you know, again, like I told you, I'm, I miss the live audiences and so forth. And for me, when I first got onto streaming and Zoom, it was a big thing. And, you know, yeah, so I, I definitely agree. But, we need to improve access, but... But I think all four of us are a, a a prime example of showing that older adults can learn technology. We just <laughs> learn it differently for different reasons and different ways, and that's okay. So, um, Gina, you've mentioned a lot of different places uh, and resources for locating art experiences in the Chicago area. And just mm-hmm. a note to our audience, we're going to have a uh, resources sheet uh, connected to the show notes for this podcast. So you'll have an opportunity to go directly to those. Gina's going to send me this list and websites and all of that good stuff. Anything else, though, that, that um, we haven't mentioned today that you may want to get across to our audience? Gosh, Carol. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't think so. Um I just want people to continue with the arts and theater, so, and I know that they will. Okay, Martha, well, you've you've already helped me start a list. Well, I I always like to uh, recommend because we have so many different local and regional uh, arts organizations. Uh, Columbus Makes Art dot uh, com is a great resource for some of the um, events and and galleries and. Um, in, in anything that they're doing, um, you know, you can go to that site and and go to their websites. Also, the Ohio Arts Council. Uh, you can learn what events are going on in Ohio, including virtual art artist talks and workshops. Uh, so we'll just include those on the resource sheet, and um, you know, uh, those are just some local ones. Of course, you can go to the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art, and they just have all types of things there uh, that you can view. But again, it's uh, like Gina said, it's, it's, it's not the same as attending, so we're mm-hmm. real anxious to get back. Right. Well, you know, thank you both for being with us today. I, I, to me, I'm walking out of this podcast very positive for the future. Not that I was expecting, oh, boy, it's dead. Arts are dead. I knew that was the complete opposite. But it's always it's good to hear this positive tone from people that are really in the know and really appreciate you both being on, continuing that that talk. Yes, my friends. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. It was good to talk to both of you. But again, thank you for providing your expertise and knowledge to our audience. And audience, um, we're excited that you were with us today. And we will have all this information for you in the show notes. So be there. I am typing my list as I speak to you, Carol. And Brett, if you ever want a job in theater, I'm going to cast you. <laughs> well, you know, as a side note, we talked earlier about podcasts and, and the, the, the fiction audio podcast. Stuff. That, that's huge now. I mean, and, and I think it's become even more bigger than what it was before is because we can do just exactly what we do right now. You can record your part away from studio and it combines it's and then you have these audio engineers that know how they're putting all their stuff together um mm. so that intrigues me greatly that's how i got into podcasting listening to audio fiction old radio shows but at the same time the new stuff that's coming out is fantastic gina this that's may be exciting. going the other way it, instead of you hiring him he may be hiring you we need more, <laughs> there you go. review the new audio fiction pipe but yeah there's some really great podcasts oh, great. Out there now oh my gosh it's just so creative so funny that it it when you when you listen to the older episodes you know the the, the, uh, the radio shows from the 40s and 50s and you have a good 
handle on those and you listen to the new shows now, you kind of go, they listened, they listened right. and, they, and they, and they, now they're taking it into the 21st century. Nice. Which right. is great. And you so. know, when I did that 1941 Arthur Miller play, it, the relevance to this time was yeah. amazing because it's all oh, about politics and so forth. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Even though old comedies, the comedy I go to, Fibber, McGee and Molly, and that was their heyday oh was World gosh. War II. Right. And, mm-hmm. but in some of the politics inside stuff, you really don't grasp because of the names that they, they were relevant at that point in time. And now it's gone away, but the stuff that sticks and you knew what they're talking about, Today, it's like, yeah, politics is politics. Oh, yes. In 2020 and in 1950. Yes. Yep. You know, all things. Some things never change. Martha, Gina sends me homework to do all the time. So every time she does a review, she sends it to me. So I was frantically trying to catch up last night and actually got through (laughs) them all. But um, the empty box, is that like bloopers? Is that what that is? Well, no. The empty box are the things that the actors have done on stage that were mistakes or whatever. And then, then they're, you know, the company votes um, the empty box award and gives it to them. Oh, so oh, if you, fun. You know, and it's really fun because most of the episodes are really short. I think the longest one was like maybe eight minutes. The shortest one was two minutes. So if you just log on to the um the website and listen to them, they're, they're hysterical. But then a lot of them, you know, myself being on stage... You know, I've I've had happen to me too. Oh, so that's funny, yeah. and that's, that's that is great. wonderful. Well, oh, I was gosh. reading through that last night, and I I wanted to make sure I asked you that question. Gosh, so yeah, good. Well, well, so you yeah, we'll all stay in touch for sure. I I would oh. love to continue the conversation with you, Gina. Of course, Martha, we're basically <laughs> neighbors and we're same state of Ohio. But I yeah, almost sure. got to see you in person. I know, today, I know, <laughs> I know, Martha. We have to have lunch, but yeah, Gina, we I think I told you we we went into purple here in Columbus. Yeah, you did. So we're um ac- actually Martha this could end up being our last podcast for a few months. Uh, we only had a couple more yeah. scheduled and we've canceled one out. We're hoping to cancel the other one out just to keep people from having to worry about. Right. Luckily, coming right. In. And we're in tier three as of today. So practically everything is shut down and closed yeah. except yeah. for grocery stores and drug stores. And right. That's about, yeah. we, we haven't, the, the governor is under incredible pressure, so he's not closing the businesses, but he's trying to force people to stay home, which is, the same as closing a business, but right. um, wow. so anyway. Well, so thank it's, you for giving us a chance to talk about yeah. something uh, Gene and I know are both very passionate about. So we appreciate the opportunity, yeah. Martha. Um, it, what are they doing? Anything going on in in Granville over the holidays, or is everything pretty much now going to be closed down? They're still going to have their Christmas walking tour. Uh, but you know, it's just every, it's the same guidelines, social distancing and, but it is an outdoor event. Um, and, uh, I'm not sure how much they'll do or how much is open, but we are usually, we usually have a lot of visitors in this little town, um, during that. I mean, it's, it's a big event, so I'm not sure how, how, uh, well attended it will be, but it is still happening. Okay. And that's just one thing I'm aware of. Yeah. There's probably many more. I know. I was talking to Muriel in Lancaster, and we were. I was planning on going down there to visit, which I'm not now. But, um, yeah, there, I mean, just so much is, is gone. Everything is by appointment and for the yeah. shops down there. Gina, when you get to Columbus, um, you'll, we'll get together with Martha in Granville, which is the town where Denison University is. So it's just east of Oh, that would Columbus. be great. Beautiful. And Martha, beautiful. I want you to check out um, the old courthouse gallery in Woodstock because we've been going to their art exhibits there. Old um, courthouse gallery. The okay. old courthouse gallery in Woodstock, Illinois. And it's it's run by Joe and uh, Catherine Isaacson. They have done most wonderful exhibits. We just were at their last one, um, Dangerous Liaisons, before all of this closed everything. But they just have kept the art alive, too. And usually in November, they have um, a kind of like an art show, art festival, just gathering artists from all around northern Illinois up in in uh, Turtle Creek. But that obviously has closed because of the pandemic. But anyway, if Gina, if I check were, them out. If, I if, will. Thank you. You're welcome. And Carol, I'll send you the list for the theater. Yes. You know, so. if I remember correctly, I think I was planning to go to Chicago to see your show that got canceled, got closed. The one that I was in, government yeah. inspector, yeah, or the I, one I directed, mornings at seven. I don't remember now. One of them. What was in April? What was going to be in April? 
I think I was going to go to uh, Chicago. That, April. That, April last year. Yeah, that uh, earlier yeah, that this was year. mornings at seven. Okay, yeah, because I hadn't. I have been trying to get up to see you in a play for thirty years. Yeah, that one was done um, at RCLPC, and then it got moved to Elgin. So I did, actually ended up directing it twice. So. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you come to Granville, hopefully, maybe we can go see uh, a play at Weathervane. That's our local Ooh, yeah. uh, group here, and it's um, they have some really. Is that community theater? No, it's actually um, well community, but it, they are pulling in from uh, regional Columbus area, and oh, okay. we can have someone come in to direct. You know, during the season to direct, and I think our last director was from New York, so it's. Um, it's it's a great little venue. Good, Gina. When a big thing in a big building that looks like a barn. Oh wow! I like oh, it already. <laughs> do you did when you were here? Did we go to Kenyon College? I can't remember who I went with no. and if it was with you. That's where Joanna Woodward went to school. Oh wow! No, and Gamb- Gambier, Ohio, and I can't. I don't. I don't think it was Kathy. I don't remember mm-hmm. who I went with, but. Um, she was here for a play for a summer stock. Oh my gosh, forever ago. Mm. Um, beautiful, beautiful campus. So good. Well, put it so on the you'll list. Have to, okay, we'll have to do a tour of Ohio theater, and I'll be up to Chicago <laughs> to shop. All right. <laughs> I used Excellent. to go to my, I used to go see Gina, but I was really going to Marshall Fields. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now you're too late, honey, because it's Macy's. I oh yeah, we got that here. We don't need Macy's. No. no, no. You know what? I've fallen in love with Dillard's. Do you guys have Dillard's in Chicago? No, but I know it from Atlanta, Georgia. So. Right. Well, and I knew it from Las Vegas. And uh, I'll tell uh, you, I have a I have a whole new wardrobe which I've not had a chance to wear this year since I haven't gone anywhere that I bought when I was in Vegas and. February. So, good for you, Carol. I, Carol, I have a Dillard's almost in my backyard now, down in Florida. So oh, you'll be, you'll well, be you know, happy. Tim, Tim. I saw Tim the other day, and uh, he said, you know, February is mine in Las Vegas. Problem is, is there's you know there's nothing to do there. If you you know if the if the casinos are only open a couple of days, no shows, none, no shows have opened in Las Vegas at all. So I did not know Cirque du Soleil went bankrupt oh no can you imagine oh, now wow. he said now they're based they're based out of canada but their american main office was right next to the mgm grand office where tim worked when he lived there oh, and boy. he said that they went bankrupt and all of the most of the people who the performers were from out of the country they all went home when, oh yeah, because they used to come through Chicago all the time when they were right. more, you know, Canadian based before right. they moved to their home in Vegas. So right, but wow. um, yeah. So he said he said you know if this all comes back, it'll probably come back. But still, um, um I said well you know there's nothing to wow. do if I go out there, but I may end up on Martha's doorstep. You never know. <laughs> so. uh-huh. You're invited. Okay. You there you go. There you go. Thank you both. Thank this has you. been You're wonderful. Welcome. Great fun. It was good talking to both of you. Uh, Martha. It was let's... nice meeting Brett and Martha. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> nice, nice meeting you. you. Yep. Martha, let's keep in touch. Gina and I do a daily uh, email, if nothing else. So um, thank you both. Stay safe. All right. Yes, stay safe. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.